Welcome back to the Suspect Podcast and in this episode we have a special guest Tim Scheinman or also known as Owlskip famous for games like Family and uh, Rivals which saw its recent release on Steam if you want to check out these games which I would really recommend you do the links will be in the description uh, and I'll just let Tim introduce himself hey uh, I'm um, Tim Scheinman uh, I go by Owlskip online as well and um and I, I uh, have been involved because he's a member of my Discord and was involved in testing Rivals. Um, before that, I made a game called Family and then lots of other little games before that. So I've been developing for about, uh, about five, six months now, but uh, the uh, game seems to be doing pretty well. And I'm sure we'll talk about them in more detail as we go. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, the date of recording is the date of uh, the release of Rivals. So congratulations mm-hmm. on uh, the Steam release of Rivals. And it's it's yeah. doing really good. I've seen three uh, reviews so far, which are very positive. So uh, you uh, the, uh, the you mean uh, ju- journalist reviews? Yeah, J- journalist reviews. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. What's the third? I've uh, seen two. <laughs> wait, I, I don't know it, what the third. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I don't have the wait. I didn't save the source. It's uh, all right. It's all right. You send it to me later. That's yeah. cool. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not do it on stream. But yeah, that's great. Yeah, so it's doing good, uh, and it, it is a great game, so it, it is supposed mm. to do good. And uh, do, you, do you feel uh, a different way that now that the game is on Steam, or is it the same thing as Family was on Itch before? On, it, on Itch, all right, so, so uh, bra- brass tax, as they say in England, it's not earning as much money on Steam <laughs> right yeah. now as yeah. it is on Itch. And I think that's because, obviously, because I was on fa- Family was on Itch, I... Uh, I got up, you know, quite a lot of followers on that. So it's been quite easy to convert all of those people into buyers, or well, not all of them, or some of them into buyers. So I'm actually doing a lot better on Itch than I am on Steam. And of course, Itch takes less of your, takes less of a cut as well. So it might end up that uh, in at the start of Rivals Lifespan, actually it does a lot better on Itch. But Steam is such a massive marketplace that if we get reviewed in somewhere like Rock, Paper, Shotgun or something like that, which we did for Family, then right. all bets are off. And I imagine Steam will take over uh, as the biggest marketplace because most people will just click on their Steam link, you know, yeah. and go to it. So, no, I mean, I, don't, I actually prefer Itch in many ways because it's kind of nice and bright and colourful and you get this little red bell when you get someone playing your game and there's a better place for comments and stuff like that. And um, so I do actually prefer itch, but I, I also recognize that steam is the biggest marketplace and you really have to, you have to go for that. So it's all an exciting, uh, all an exciting, um, uh, what's the word? It's a, it's just an exciting experience. Yeah. Um, are you looking forward to publish future games on steam? Or is, was it just an experiment, sort of? Well, no, I mean, I think I think once you do that, you have to kind of keep going with that a little bit. I can't see myself, you know, with smaller games, I will put them out on itch, right. obviously, because it costs 100 bucks to publish a game on Steam. You wouldn't ever publish something which you weren't going to charge for unless you were crazy or you had tons of money. So yeah. I'll... Um, I'll just put my little games out, my game jam stuff out on Itch, which is the best place for it. And then for the big games, I'll probably put them out on Steam and Itch and see how we do. But we'll see. You know, we'll see how this one does on Steam. If 
if at the end of the day it it doesn't earn anything on Steam and it earns a lot on itch, you know, I'll probably do an itch. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Right. Uh, so you talked about uh, game jams. And uh, uh, I've seen Family was on the Summer Novel Festival. It was a submission for Summer Novel Festival. And it wasn't created for Summer Novel Festival, though. It was, I stuck it in. Summer Novel Festival is barely a game jam. It's more of a kind of open exhibition of games. Oh, uh, so there's not like a big theme. I just stuck it in. But you've got to understand when I family is now kind of this quite big thing. You right. know, it's kind of like an indie game that I mean, it's not papers, please, but it's it's been reviewed in a lot of, of things. But at the start, it was absolutely nothing. And I didn't know what it was going to be. And I didn't know if anyone was going to play it. So I just stuck it into that game jam, you know, because I thought a few people would play it right. just because of that. So in the end, it stayed in there. But that was purely coincidental. But 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 my games before that were mostly done for game jams. Right. Uh, so was the remains of Richard Fleming. Um, I think it was. Yeah, I think I submitted. Yeah, I made three games, all of which went into game jams. I made them in about a week and a half. So all three in about a week and a half. So I was very tired. I think that Richard Fleming went into the Charles M. I want to tell a story one. Yeah, the Russian doll went into Bracky's one, which I actually pulled it from that uh, because um, there were some problems with it, but also because it was gem. And um, Wacamole came like fifth in uh, HI Gamer, you know, Game Jam of the Week. So right. I, yeah, uh, and before that, I think I had a couple at least that were in in Game Jams as well. Okay, so. Would, did you create these games with the game jam in the mind or did you just uh, did the jam just happen to happen at the same time that you just wanted to make um, these games? The themes, yeah, I mean, a bit of both. A bit of both. I kind of twisted it around a little bit. Um, but no, I think uh, mostly I just made them and I kind of managed to fit them into jams. But that was, um, you know, with really small games, if you don't put them into a jam and you don't have a fan base and family was still growing at that point literally no one would have played it you know so i um but that was in the week just after i got the Eurogamer review and that was the first big review that i'd had so i'd had buried treasures and then i had Eurogamer, and that was a long time before stuff like rock paper shotgun so really it was very very small and if i wanted anyone to play these games i'd put them in um but i know i mostly just wanted to make them and um and that's why i did it right uh so the your game development streak i would say started mostly in february and that's when you started making games and you you made a lot of games in a very short amount of time so would you say the the pandemic or the lockdown was kind of like a push towards that productivity or just trying towards to make make the game because you had a lot of free time uh, well, I mean, it gave, it gave me a lot of time. Um, I mean, you know, I had a business which wasn't doing as much business because of the pandemic. So it certainly gave me more time. But I wouldn't want to kind of give the impression that my, you know, time is entirely free. I had uh, you know, a small child and I now have another small child, you know. So um, I mostly started to to do it to get ready for my course. And then it kind of, you know... <laughs> kind of went from there um and it's been a, it's been a funny old journey the last six months um but uh i think the pandemic had something to do it 
do with it. But a lot of people more and more recently make quite a lot of the speed at which I work and I have nothing to offer. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have nothing to offer. I imagine that if the pandemic hadn't happened because I kind of work from home, I would have probably been doing all this stuff anyway. I, 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 you know, with the view to preparing for my masters. And I was right. definitely making games in February and early March at a serious rate yeah. uh, before the pandemic. So I, I don't imagine, uh, it might've helped a bit. I think what it really did actually is it stoked people's, other people's interest is that people suddenly had a lot of time to play games right. during the pandemic, you know? Yeah. And I think that that possibly has helped a little bit. Right. Uh, so you have these, uh, not common theme, but like uh, a similar type of game that is the uh, taxonomy game. Is that the right word? Yeah, the most recent one. So I think I think is there's a hard line to be drawn between um, the kind of early games that I made, which is like a typing game, and then there's some games called Smooth Operators, which are puzzle games, and then there's this, that, the other, and then where it really starts is with Family. I would say there's four four games in there, but there's really only three actually, which is Family, The Remains of Richard Fleming, Rivals, and there's actually a game I'm working on now as well, which will fit into that. And we call it taxonomic, yeah. So, but taxonomy is a kind of like, it's a posh word for a list, isn't it? Right, yeah. Um, but essentially what that comes down to is just a detective game that requires you to synthesize, to put together lots of bits of information, but can be solved. So just to give you some counter examples, right? So... L.A. Noir wants you to solve simple clues in order. They can be right or they can be wrong, but they all kind of one leads to the other leads to the other. Right. Her story wants you to put lots of bits of information together and use your, 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 your big brain to solve it, but it doesn't give you an answer at the end. My games do both. They want you to synthesize lots of stuff, but it will give you a correct answer. And in that respect, it follows on from... Return of the Obra Dinn, which is why a lot of people call them Obra-likes. Right. Um, yeah, so your game Family, uh, which yeah. uh, was... Uh, did, it, did you make that game after Richard Fleming? I think you did. No, no, Family was before Richard Fleming. So the through line between... Uh, so Family, all the clues are text. Well, they're not strictly all text because technically the music is clues and also the radio has clues in it. Right. But the core of the clues is the text right yeah and then with Richard Fleming I got more into doing audio stuff so Richard Fleming is one where the clues and the audio interact with each other and then rivals took those lessons and blew it up a little bit right and uh that's a mixture now of equal parts written and audio so yeah it's that it's definitely that order oh yeah yeah uh, so family was uh, free to play before, right? Yeah, it was donations only. I have actually made the um, the downloads cost now because there's a bundle with rivals. But for the longest time, and it's always going to be free to play on the web as yes. well. Yeah. No, I just saw it. And I thought I because I remember downloading it, and I'm like, I don't think I paid for the download. So. No, it was originally donations. I actually did very well with the donations, but I wanted to offer it 
in a package deal with rivals, so I had to charge. Right. Yeah. But I think most people who wanted to download have had their chance. And to be honest, most people who download will probably pay anyway. Yeah. You know. Uh, so you got uh, not a review. Uh, will you will you call it a review from uh, Lucas Pope, the developer of Paper Space? <laughs> uh, uh, commendation, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I got yeah a little props from Lucas Pope, which was uh, cool. Yeah. The other Pope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Papal blessing. Right. Yeah, blessing of the Pope. That was good. I uh, liked. It. I have actually been in touch with him a little bit recently. He said a few nice things about Rivals. He's going to play it hopefully in a few weeks when he's got some, some more time, you know. So that was that was nice. I mean, it's nice for, you know, the sort of people who it matters to. Right. Um, but I think I think it's a funny one, isn't it? Because you know, Lucas Pope is, is so original, you know that. Yeah. It's peculiar that, that games, you know, it's, it's very... Uh, you go into some areas of games, right? And there's a million of them, like arcade shooters, retro stuff, platformers. There's literally a lo-fi poly stuff. There's a, literally a gazillion versions of that game, you know, and it's an incredibly saturated market. And then you look at something like Lucas Pope, who sold what what two million copies of Papers Please, something like that. Yeah. And there's only one of those games. You know, that's the extraordinary thing. You think, how is this possible? So I think it's probably quite novel for him to find somebody else, another solo developer who does the music and the art and all of that, sort of hanging around in his space. Because <laughs> he's he's probably been I don't know what he's been wondering. He's probably not been wondering anything. He's probably just been working. But maybe in my mind he might have been wondering what what, what why isn't there anybody else? <laughs> you know, I've done I've done quite well out of this. You yeah. know, he's won a BAFTA and all of that. <laughs> you know, why 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 isn't anyone else around here? So now I'm sort of hanging around like younger yeah. brother sort yeah. of character so yeah no it's not he's very he's a very easygoing kind of generous guy actually he's not very guarded so he's very he does talk and no it's very nice of him to say that right. and of course it went in the trailer for rivals right uh so that kind of reminds me of uh, a conversation we had uh friday that you were saying that the junior developers and the senior developers have not a lot but a bit difference in how they work and how they come up with games like uh, you, not you said, but like uh, it's a thing that junior developers or the, the new and upcoming developers they try to make. Uh, they don't try to make a new game. They just try to uh, make a salad. I would say like this yeah. idea and that idea, and I just want to combine all of this. Well, look, I mean, I have to I have to qualify this that I am not a junior developer or a senior developer. I am a student, you know, right. and and I think it's really important to say that. But um, I have been making art for 20 years in various forms, you know, and I was a, mus a musician and I've written and I've done lots of stuff, uh, lots and lots of stuff. Right. And I think what I was trying to say there, which was those, all right, so when I was, all right, so when you're writing a song, you know, there's very, in some ways there's very little to a song I mean, there's a lot to it, but what you really need is this kind of nucleus of something that, that just works. It's got to work. There's got to be something that has legs that can make it move. You know, it might be a beat, right. it might be a hook, it might be a title, it might be something that just 
just kicks it into life. It's that little spark that turns it from an inanimate set of chords and stuff into something that actually means something. It's the difference between um, just stuff and art. You know, on the face of it, there's not a lot of difference, but suddenly you can breathe life into it with the right kind of magic words that you can whisper, the right hook, the right this, that, the other, and suddenly it's alive. And I think... What this, you know, that comes back to is this something which uh, I think a teacher said at some point, or I, I appropriated it myself, which is the idea that a want is not an idea. So you can want something, and we all do, right. but it doesn't mean that that thing is suddenly going to start kicking its legs and, you know, crawl out of the sea or whatever. It's not going to take on life just yeah. because you really want it to. Um you, it has to have a little bit more to it than that. But what that is, is something you can only really understand through many, many years of making things and working out what the difference is, frankly, between the live frog and the dead frog, as it were, you know. And so what we were talking about was a tendency, maybe in younger people rather than younger devs, you know, to create to say, I want to make this, and I want it to have this, and I want it to have this, and I want it to have this. And if I just want it hard enough and work it hard enough, it's going to come to life. Right. And um, that's just not true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just not true. And, 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 and the, the sad truth is also is that people can end up making these terribly complex things because the intention is to add on more and add on more and add on more, but actually all you're doing is you're dressing up the dead frog. You're not, you're not right. going to, you're not going to make it live, you know? And, and so what I rather feel with, with family and rivals, and I hope this doesn't come across as, you know, you know, conceited or anything is that mm -hmm. these games have a fraction of the technical capacity or whatever, the technique, technical stuff right. of most games but there's something alive in them you know and that's the same thing you know in in all art and 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 it's what separates it you know and i think that that it's not a terribly complex idea at the uh, uh, in rivals there's a lot of execution involved in it but but um there's something alive at the center of it and that's what makes it it work do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that took me a very, very long time. And I think you, even if you look at some of my earlier games, they're complicated, but they don't have that that spark. Right. So that's that's kind of, I've made some sort of point in there. Yeah, so, kind of. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So uh, I th uh, I want to ask about uh, a thing like saturation, right? Like there are a lot of developers right now, a lot of people trying to make games. So is it kind of harder now than it was, let's say, 10 years before to make something I, I, genre? -based? I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, you know, I wasn't there six months ago. You might right. as well ask me, was it harder a year ago? I mean, my my inclination is to say it, no. I mean, like, I, you know, I come from a background somewhat in the music industry, right? Yeah. So, like... You know, and the music industry has really, in effect, ceased to exist in the last year or so because, you know, 
in 2009, you know, we couldn't sell records anymore. So that was the, the main, so the main product that the music industry used to be records and live shows, right? Right. So 2009, you know, Napster, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can't sell records anymore. Done. That's done. Uh, so you can play live, right? And now the pandemic comes along and you can't play live. So there's no music industry, right? Right. There's no, it doesn't exist anymore in any meaningful sense. Mm -hmm. But the games industry is totally different. We sell stuff. And because we sell stuff, we have a healthy industry that people are willing to pay for, you know, because people are into paying for games, you know, not, not paying too much, but, but paying a certain amount. And, and as a, a new game developer, I received a certain amount of appreciation that I've never received as a musician, you know, which is a fan base and yeah. financial support and family made back something like four times the amount of money it costs to make. So it's a hundred quid. Right. <laughs> it yeah. made like four hundred quid. But that was purely in donations. It didn't charge anything, you know. Right. And I was reviewed in pretty much Europe's largest, you know, software games yeah. papers, right? Not so much in America, but but in mm. Europe. Can you imagine that happening to a new musician on their first big release? Probably not. You know, NME, Mojo, Anka. It never happened. Right. Never, ever, ever happen, you know. So what I would say is that, you know, it may, I don't know how difficult it was, but it is a really, really good time to be a good developer. Uh, you know, obviously being a bad developer is never going to get you anywhere, yeah. but to be right. a good developer is a very, very good time. And what I see is not only is there a lot of people who've done very, very well out of the game industry, but there's a large, what you'd call a middle class as well, which is people who do fine. They do absolutely fine, you know. Right. And they're not the best, they're not the worst, but they do fine. And, and then there's also people who are really notable, like Joe Richardson, you know, who made, you know, Procession to Calvary, who make incredibly niche games. Right and still managed to sort of keep it together. You know, he doesn't earn a fortune, yeah. but he lives on it. And right. to me, that's the same place as like maybe music was in like the late 60s, early 70s. And what do we think about that time? We think it was a golden era. Why do we yeah. think it was a golden era? Because there was an industry to sustain its practitioners, you know. Right. Now the music industry is, well, it's not even really an industry anymore, but the games industry definitely is. So I would say... I would say it's a really good time. And look, I mean, you know, Microsoft just uh, bought Bethesda, didn't it, for $7.5 just today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's clearly something going on here. Right. You know, so that's my, my take is optimistic, but, yeah. you know. It's a good <laughs> it's time to be a developer well. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good time to be a developer, definitely. Yeah. But do you think something like Spotify can happen to video games? Like, a few years down, there, there's going to be a software, like, like the Humble Bundle, but for indie games or something like you just pay yes, a subscription so like, and you get to play as many games as you want uh, well pirating so this is an interesting question right which is was was um what happened with the music industry a function of technology or a function of culture right so undoubtedly it was a bit of both at the start right so the technology of you know having little packets of uh, you know being able to send mp3s yeah. over fast broadband, you know, just nascent broadband was a new thing. 
But it wasn't really what drove it. What drove it was the fact that the music industry was charging $16 for a CD, you know, and, and more for singles. And people were really getting bled dry. And then when the music industry, when Napster happened, Napster turned around to the music industry and said, look, you've got to, you've got to absorb us because otherwise you're going to be playing whack-a-mole yeah. with all lime wire and all of that. And, of course, you know what the music industry did. They sued everybody, which simply meant that all of these pirate sites just popped up and never went away. And they're still around now to some extent. I mean, the funny funny thing is I put the Rival soundtrack, and the Rival soundtrack is actually up on Napster because Napster still exists you know, in various forms. And so it's been absorbed into something else now. But, right. you know, so to me, the music industry was very much what you'd call the canary in the coal mine, which was it was... It was the industry that really bought it. It really, really got destroyed by the digital revolution. But then a whole load of, you know, industries afterwards didn't, you know, most notably being television. Now, television is perfectly piratable, right? Right, yeah. But it's generally not pirated. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that's because television now, people are charged a relatively small price for a glut of television in good quality. Um, and it's just so much easier to get your telly the legitimate way. Right. And I think that with games, I mean, I, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The point which is, you know, I, you know, I sell on itch, which is DRM free, right? So technically right. anyone could be just sending my files anywhere. Yeah, and these are not big files. They're 100 megabytes. You can put them in a WeTransfer or a, you know on a drive. Yeah, are people doing that? I suspect not. Probably not. I don't think so. Doesn't seem very likely. Yeah, because it's cheap. You know, you might as well just pop on, get your own version, download it, and run it. You know that sort of thing. It's just um, and Xbox Game Pass and stuff. What's that? Couple of few dollars a month yeah a few dollars i mean that's really what we're talking about but but this is the interesting thing which is what is the difference between spotify and the xbox game pass and the answer is that xbox game pass charges everybody and spotify only charges some and the rest is paid for by advertising right which means that musicians get a terrible deal and Gamers, I don't really know because of the way that Xbox... I mean, Xbox is all the big titles, right? It's not really a lot of small titles. But generally speaking, I think um, indie developers kick on. They they kick on just fine, you know. And, um, you know, it's a competitive industry. And, yes, people do go out of business and stuff like that. But generally, it's doing a hell of a lot better than, than other places. And do I think that there's going to be some moment at which, you know, we get... In such fast internet that we can just pirate stuff in the blaze of an eye. I don't know. I don't know that people really crave that. I think people did that because they were being ripped off left, right, and center. And it actually, if iTunes had been around from the very start, the music industry would still be the music industry. That's what I think. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's my take on it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I have a lot to say about the music industry. You know, I'm a music guy. You know, it's. it's, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I wanted to ask you about music uh, for family and uh, mm. rivals. Rivals, actually. Yeah. Uh, how did that come up? Like when you made family, 
was it uh, that you made the music first and then you were like i have to use this in a game or i have to make a game around this or did you make the music after you had the idea no i made the music after i had the idea and i think that's really really important because it was talking about like what is it that gives some an idea life right and i think context is really important for that sort of thing like like you can say a lot about things about you can say a lot of things about family and rivals and you might like it you might not but what you can't say is that it's not completely contextual like everything right. is very very specific to the game it all feels handmade doesn't right. it there's no kind of like oh yeah that looks like something from another game you know and yeah. the music is part of that in fact um i came up with the concept for family really quickly but the music i knew was going to be the engine of it i mean it was quite extraordinary you know it's it's weird because i did manage to develop it quite quickly but like imagine that you and me right and so you think oh yeah i could use this family tree to create this like oberdin style puzzle i think okay well what are going to be the constituent parts of it? Well, I'm going to need, let's say we have nine bands, right? So we're going to need nine songs. Right. You know, <laughs> that's an album. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's an album's worth of work, right? So, you know, it was quite daunting to look at. And um, yeah, so no, I, I, but, but I just sat down and it did just come. It just, it, and it came a lot easier than I thought it would for reasons that I'm not entirely sure uh, of. And with Rivals, it was very much the same. But no, I, I thought up the concept and then I wrote the songs. Right. Uh, you talked about uh, one or two songs in Rivals. Was it being uh, uh, a few throwaways from Family or was it just your normal songs that you used for Rivals? Yeah, so I didn't write every single song. There were a couple that I had this is fair enough to say, which actually, you, you said, did I write them all for that? There were a few lying around, which were sketches that I was able to pull together from stuff. And I had this funny situation where one of those sketches ended, I'd written a couple of sketches for someone who didn't use them. Yeah. And then one of them ended up in, um, so I've actually been slightly disingenuous, haven't I? Which is like, there was some yeah, stuff, but, uh, but it's not that I'd written that stuff and then thought I wanted to make a game around it. Oh, uh, yeah. I get it. It's yeah. that as a writer, if you've been writing for long enough, you have a certain amount of stuff kicking around, you right. know, that you can repurpose. So I just repurposed Angelina for um, uh, for family and I repurposed yeah. Susanna. And actually, I have some versions where they actually sound really quite similar to each other. Um, so they were both part of a kind of an Americana thing. And then Angelina got, you know, moved across into synth pop. Right. So yeah, no, I um, and that, there were a few songs. Turn the hands from family is uh, is something that was written before and right on track. I'd written a bit of for rivals and then I wrote this, but uh, it's like eighty percent was written spec, um, and obviously I had to record all the instruments new as well as well right. as do all the writing. The, did you scrap any songs for both of these games or? Ah <laughs> just... oh, no, <laughs> no, that everything that was. Well, no, everything was used. That was the that was the nutty thing. Yeah, right. it's completely nutty. Yeah. yeah, no, I just used everything I wrote. <laughs> and, and it's funny, like, some of the songs that, like, I wrote very quickly, like, um, on, in Family, I think there's a song by Clarice Montag, which is nobody's favourite, called Juliet's Not There, but I quite like it, um, probably because I sing it. And mm -hmm. I actually wrote that version, was a demo I wrote for somebody else to sing. They never sang on it, so right. I just kept it. Um, but it fit. And um, 
with Rivals. Yeah, I mean, there were some songs which I just wrote, like Kid in the Middle is actually kind of like one of the best songs in mm-hmm. Rivals. Right. I wrote yeah. it super quickly. I think I think I might have even improvised the guitar and then had to write a vocal over the top of it and then I sent it off to Riley to sing. So it's like, came together super fast. But like, I think... This is something I was thinking about today, which is a lot of people think that I'm like an oil painter, right? Mm-hmm. So they think I've got this like layers and layers of sketches and preparatory work, and then I sit down, and I mix all my colors, you know, and then I. But actually, I'm not like that at all. I'm more like a watercolor artist. Like I do a little bit of light pencil sketching, and then I paint the thing, you know. So right. actually, like, what I think because the games are quite rich. Mm-hmm. They combine together like an oil painting, but actually, I'm often sketching very, very fast, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm using what comes out. But that's what I discovered worked for me, which is that I used to be in bands that used to just work stuff over and over again, and it used to get stiffer and stiffer and stiffer, and that can happen in in everything you do. Is that if you get too self conscious about it it just starts to stiffen up and kind of harden as a piece of work and it loses what makes it alive. And I found that as an artist, it's better for me to move fast and and just sort of keep the muscle loose, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Rather than stop and go, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Better not to do that. Better just to get on with it and let it happen. And usually it turns out okay. Not always, but Mm -hmm. usually. Right. Uh, so are you still <laughs> making music apart from soundtrack for games? Like I've seen uh, uh, an an album. Is it an album? Uh, the yeah. one that's well, on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. So it connects to my Spotify. Yeah, I'm not really making music outside of it. No, I mean, I think the thing about music is that nobody listens to it. <laughs> I mean, people listen to music, but right. new music is very hard to publicize. So I used to, I made some instrumental records and, you know, obviously I made music with bands for many years, you know, and it's just a thankless task. No, I mean, I would never make music outside of games at the moment because... Because the music for family people really listened to. They really listened to it. I got more attention for that music than I got for any music that I've ever made outside of games. Right. And it was just as good, you know? Yeah. And that was the thing, if not better, it's some of my best work. So, no, I wouldn't make standalone music now because I just don't think people engage with it because the music industry can't really support art at the moment. It can't. They can't support anything. So I would want to stay in the game space because that's where people are actually going to um, pay attention. Right. Uh, so I want to wrap this up with uh, your future idea that you're actually <laughs> working on. Uh, is it yeah. the Forger? Yeah, it's going to be called the Forgers um, or something like that. Um, I, I used to really worry about talking about my ideas and now I, I've found that Without talking too specifically about them, actually, it doesn't matter because, um, it, yeah. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a detective game. It's going to be a little bit shorter. Well, it's not going to be short. It's going to be episodes. So it's going to be six cases, I think. The first case I'm going to make free, and then the others I'll charge for the whole bunch. So it won't be like Hitman. You won't buy each one new, but you'll right. you can either buy the whole watch or you can play the first one free. I think. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a little more visual. Um, each case will have a different flavor to it. So there'll be different types of clues and stuff like that. But essentially what it will come down to is um, my 
kind of main sort of fascination at the moment, which is art forgery, which is, I think, just about the most interest. If you're interested in investigating anything, right. it's got to be one of the most interesting things in the world yeah. for so many reasons that we can go into if you want to. But but yeah. basically, uh, it is it's um, it's just a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating thing, and I would I'm going to really enjoy it the hard bit will be commissioning the artist and it's going to cost a bit of money so you know but um i think we're going to make a really good game out of this one right uh so is this like your method of working that you make a game and then you think of what you want to do next or do you have a certain ideas in your head that are bouncing around you maybe you uh combine two ideas and then make a game or are you just clear-minded and then you just come up with an idea and just get it done? Yeah, I... <laughs> it sounds so stupid, doesn't it? People are like, what? You make games in three weeks. You think yeah. up them and you just make them. Right. So, <laughs> I have, sir, I have no excuse. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like... Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't remember, like where i got the idea for it but it's there's a show in britain called fake or fortune yeah which is where they take this piece of art and they try and work out if it's a real piece of art or not and it's brilliant i just wanted to make a game like that like where you have to work out if a piece of art is real or not but there's nothing very complicated about that and but I, yeah, I I had it kicking around. I mean, usually about halfway through, usually as I'm getting to the end of a game and we're getting into the release, because that's kind of, you know, I mean, you were doing the testing on Rivals. Rivals was pretty yeah. much the game that it is two right. weeks ago, wasn't it? So, and then I, I you know, just went on holiday for a bit and I just started thinking about it. I think I listened to a couple of podcasts and I've got a really good book on it and watched some documentaries and stuff like that. So... Generally, yeah, that's how it kind of comes together. The big difference between my games and other people's games is that I don't get my ideas for games from other games. Right. Which is why my games often resemble like a long-form podcast or an oral history or something like that is because they're clearly derived from a world outside of games, which is brilliant because no one ever knows how much you're stealing. but yeah no i mean i know it just came it's kind of as a whole but i've been thinking about a lot i mean obviously when you're making a game you have to make certain choices and they usually comes one point at which i have to make a really hard design choice um and that has just happened i've just had to make a really hard design choice which i'm not going to talk about and right. now I think it's going to be pretty much plain sailing. So it's going to be very interesting. But I've got to find all the artists. So that's another big thing. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, um, it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about... Uh, I think you sent a, a link to a video about art forgery. And uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I, I, yeah. I, I plan to watch it. And it sounds like a, a really cool concept that you have to figure out if yeah. the artist is real or fake. And well, doing that in a game is going to be way better 
Oh yeah, it's gonna be brilliant. Like it's going to be, and you're gonna submit like Richard Fleming, so you're not going to get fired. You're gonna to have to put in the whole thing at once. But they're gonna be much smaller. It's gonna be like I what I want them to be is like little twenty to thirty minute like lovely things. So okay. it's about three hours of play, but it's just six separate things that maybe you do one a night or something like that. Like you could binge them if you want, but yeah. but but you know, so they're just nice and clean and separate and and a little journey and they're all going to be about telling different stories about art forgery because there's actually a lot to tell and you can go into things like looted art as well so what art stolen in war as well and, and stuff like that so it's, it's all going to be it's going to tell lots and lots of different stories in there rather than just one story which i think could be really interesting and they'll do it more visually than um than uh family and rivals which are very very oral um yeah that'd be good i mean the only other thing that i really want to make is actually something which i actually don't know how to make at all which is that i really want to make a board game about um so there's this really good documentary on netflix right now about how they prosecuted the mob in new york in the 1970s and they brought what's called a rico do you know what a rico is Mm, no so it's it's basically a conspiracy charge. So they didn't have conspiracy charges before oh. then. But conspiracy charge means that it rolls everyone into the same charge just by them being linked to each other. Okay. Uh, that's not terribly important. Well, what the point is, is I really want to make a game which has two sides to it. So there's the lawyers slash cops on one side, and that's like three players on one team. Oh. And then on the other side, there's... There's the gangsters, and one's trying to build a case against the other, and the other is trying to dismantle it. And the way that you would do it is each person at the start of the game would get given a random flaw, right? So someone yeah. might have a drinking problem or a gambling problem or have done this or done that. And it's for the other side to discover who it is and use that as leverage against them, yeah. right? So you can kind of eliminate the other side slowly through discovering basically leverage against them, right? right? Yeah. So that's something i would really like to do i actually don't really have the skill to make that game because asymmetrical board games like are not something i have a lot of experience with so i think i would have to um either find some people to play a lot more of it with or really spend some time you know doing that sort of thing but i feel like that would be a super cool like spin-off of the sort of stuff i'm doing so there's no reading but it's all it's still like you're building something you know it's process driven like gaming so that i think that'd be a really cool game um right. really compelling I, I was thinking about that a lot when uh the muller inquiry was happening you know watching you know muller build this case against trump uh-huh. and just thinking oh, that's a game yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a game <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh so, do you I are you know, sure yeah. I, I can put this in the video because it's a really good idea and then and you haven't started, <laughs> yeah, started working on it. Even though, yeah, but no one else is going to do it. <laughs> like, no one else is going to make a game about art forgery. No one else is going to make a game about the Muller inquiry, are they? It's like, it's so unsexy, you know. Oh. Everyone wants to make 2D retro platformers <laughs> and... Oh, right. Fine. And if they do, I'll fucking kill them. <laughs> so <laughs> we, can use, we can use this, can't yeah. we? Yeah. No, if they do it, I'll just be glad because I'll get to play it and... I won't have to have made it. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> I should do this more often. <laughs> yeah. But that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? If I could just, like, if I was like Jonathan Blow and I could just put ideas out in the world and other people would do them. 
be like Ghost a guru game of gaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, yeah, a purely conceptual game designer. Like, I don't make them at all. I just create yeah. the ideas. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how to do But mostly I've got to do the course as well and get a job. Yeah. So, that's, that's so uh, I actually wanted to ask you about the uh, live stream or the course about how you make these uh, family-like games. I'm going to start calling it family-like rather than over-like. Oh, so. right. So, uh, yeah. So, like, I was talking about maybe doing something every, like, second Friday or something. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be specifically how I make these family games, but it'd be nice to make a UI-based game, you know, so using Canvas and, like, just something where you have to do something. You know, like, I mean, I, I did it on Sunday making that game. What was it? Um, I can't remember what it was called. Like Saving Mr. Tiddles, was it? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Finding, Finding Mr. Mr. Tiddles. Finding Mr. Tiddles, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think there's a lot of joy in those sorts of games just to set up something where you've got a picture of a cat and a description of a cat... Yeah. And some nice music and the background changes colour. Right. Why can't that be a game? That's that's a game, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah, I have another side. You play you've played Whackamole. Yeah. You know, I have another side to me. Right. That's the thing, it's like I would actually kind of the thing which I'm really meant to be doing right now is like making Whackamole for mobile. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> that's like my wife like occasionally comes in and says, Where are the moles? Yeah. And I'm like uh, soon on like, the phone how, yeah. how, are we, how are we going to make a million dollars if you yeah. don't make the moles I'm like you know there's no money in mobile and she's like no there's money in mobile there's right. no money in mobile which is the crazy thing like everybody literally thinks that if you make a mobile game you are minted yeah. and it couldn't be further from the truth no one pays for mobile actually yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> I would never make a penny from mobile unless I managed to do microtransactions Right. really successfully but for instance creating a whole set of mole outfits you know yeah. that's just an idea just putting that out there yeah. you know so they could dress up as victorian adventurers or cavemen yeah. you know that'd yeah. be good works but um <laughs> yeah so no, i kind of like that i think yeah it'd be nice to do like every second friday just okay here's an idea someone's given me during a week let's just sit and talk about how we're going to do this you know let's just right. make a, a game in a couple of hours every couple of weeks because games do not have to take forever they yeah. do not have to take forever. Actually, and yeah. finished things are different to unfinished things. They're actually just totally different. You know, even if you finish something, as long as it's not completely broken, it's actually totally different to something which is unfinished. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of kind philosophically, of, yeah. it's different. Right. Well, it's like you draw something and you say, this is finished. It's totally different to you saying, this is an unfinished drawing. Because in my mind, I'm imagining... Oh, what more could this be? You know, well, yeah. where is this going? That sort of thing. You know, I have that uncertainty. I'm never quite sure what my experience should be. But if you're like, this is finished, you're like, okay, I can now make up my mind about what that thing is. You right. know? Yeah. So it'd be nice to just do something, finish something every second Friday. That'd be really yeah. cool. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> my Fridays are pretty pretty open at the moment. But um, yeah, but yeah. I, hope to, I hope to see you down there. Yeah, sure. Um, that about does it for this episode it was really great having a conversation with them and again I would really recommend you to play the games the links will be in the description along with the links to the soundtrack to the games as well as the Twitch channel for them uh, for possible future game development live streams 
So thank you for watching. Thank you for joining. I hope to see you soon.